You're listening to The Omni Show. Get to know the people and stories behind the Omni Group's award-winning productivity apps for Mac and iOS. Music. I'm your host, Brent Simmons. In the studio with me today is Orion Protonentis, software test pilot at the Omni Group. Say hello, Orion. Hello, Orion. Thank you. Now, listeners, I know you're thinking that can't be his real name, Orion, because he's a (laughs) tester, and Orion, the bug hunter, is a bit on the nose. Nevertheless, is is it in fact your real name? It is in fact my real name. It is. So, Orion, before we get started... Certainly. It should be noted that not only are you far taller than Aries, Mm. but you have a gorgeous, shocking head of hair. Uh, It's true. Except that it's also completely invisible. And our listeners want to know sure. how you get it that way. Is it a uh, cream of some kind? Or? Well, when I was young, I used to read the X-Men a lot. And, of course, I always wanted to be a mutant. Uh, it turned out that my mutant power is invisible hair. Lovely. Yeah, sadly, it's not nearly as uh, effective as I'd hoped for. But yeah, at least I have a mutant power, so that's good. Yeah, right. Yeah. 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 I don't have mutant power. <laughs> so protonentis is not... The Greek word for an affliction where all your protons are inflamed. I really hope not. Oh, okay. I think that would be protonentitis. Protonentitis. Yeah, all, although people say different. that sometimes as well. But, yeah, okay. Yeah. Right. So you're a tester. Um, you got your start here testing mm-hmm. on OmniGraphle, doing pencil recognition. Yeah, I moved down into test right before we did the pencil work in OmniGraphle 2.8 for iOS. How did that go? It went quite well. Um, I quickly learned things like a left circle and a right circle are not the same thing. How are they different? (laughs) Well, they're interpreted a little bit differently. Okay. Uh, So it turns out that if you're a right-handed tester working with a left-handed engineer, you come at things slightly differently. Hmm. Uh, And so I would find bugs that he hadn't noticed while he was writing it, and then he would write things in which I would find other bugs, and we went back and forth until it was in a state where both righties and lefties were reasonably happy. Ah, interesting. Yeah. So, southpaws are ruining things for the rest of us again. Well, except that a southpaw wrote the code, so actually I guess he's making it better for the rest of us. All right. That's cool. (laughs) And from Graffle, you moved on to OmniFocus. Mm-hmm. Yep, worked on OmniFocus for a while. Mm-hmm. Uh, iOS or Mac or well, uh, both? Both, yeah. yeah. Um, I helped Kurt with some of the OmniFocus for watch work he was doing. Uh, oh, okay. Then just you know, drifted from here to there. Mm-hmm. Did you have like a staple of watches that you tested things on? Or, <laughs> uh, or just, would something like that would just the one watch? Just, just the one typically, yeah. yeah. Uh, okay. Before we ship, we would check on two sizes of watch, but that was about it. Yeah, smart. Yeah. Well, at the time, there were only those two, so it was easy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Moved from there onto Omni Outliner. True. It seems like on just about all the apps here. Which is is where we had worked together, actually. Mm -hmm. Uh, I worked on Omni Outliner 5 and the uh, soon-to-be-arriving Omni Outliner 3 for iOS. Both of which are the greatest Omni Outliner releases ever. It is true. Mm -hmm. It is true. Very excited to see people get their hands on Omni Outliner 3 soon. Yeah. It should be, in fact, out. Maybe by the time this, by the time this goes, oh. same, same same day. In fact, Very this is on the exciting. Outliner three day. <laughs> and, and Excellent. It's, and it's also it's probably also Valentine's Day, isn't it? It could be, yeah. Yeah, okay. Hmm. See, listeners, we're recording the week before. But no plan yet. 
No, not yet. Uh, back in OmniFocus now, mm-hmm. uh, working on some of the things that uh, Ken has written about in his blog post. Uh, okay. No OmniPlan. I'm still waiting to collect the fourth application in my card deck, but okay. I have done three, so fourth, that's been fun. Fourth of four. The fourth of four, four yeah, yeah, not bad. Right. Uh, a little bit of work fun. on... Uh, I guess I haven't worked much on OmniWeb, but uh, helped with some Omni Disk Sweeper stuff, uh, and then some of our internal tools as well. Mm, okay. So, what's a tester's day like? Uh, you know, do? yeah, it's a, it's a good question. Um, I don't actually know most days what I'm going to be doing. <laughs> um, I moved into test from support, and in support. Uh, mostly when I went home at the end of one day, I was pretty clear what I'd be doing the next day. Um, in test, I generally have a, a pretty good idea. Before I go home, I'll have a, a sense of what I think I'm going to wear on the next day. But you never really know. So some days it could be um, spending all of my day digging into a very specific thing with um, perhaps shape recognition if it's Graffle. Uh, or maybe working on encryption or something along those lines with OmniFocus. Um, or it could be a day where it's uh, 20 or 30 uh, verifies, um, where you take something that an engineer has done and you just make sure a bug's been fixed, there's no unexpected fallout. Um, so it could be exploration, it could be a whole lot of tiny little things in a given day. Mm. But it's always interesting. Uh, Liz once remarked that that somehow developers, in her mind, were almost fingerprinted. So that when a, when a bug came back from a developer, hmm. she would know what kinds of things to test because of <laughs> that developer's past. You know. Sure, yeah, I can and see so that. And so like every developer is a little bit different and they might – you know, always forget this one thing or something. Do you, do you find anything like that? <laughs> uh, I haven't read anything where, where a developer would, a specific developer would forget one thing. But, I mean, we all, we all have different learning styles and, mm. and different ways of working. Um, so you definitely learn how to talk to different people both in and outside of your department. Um, yeah, we all have, we have all have our own approaches. Mm-hmm. So the, the relationship between test and engineering here seems to be quite good. I, you know, I've heard people in other companies you know, complain that it's not always great. Here <laughs> sure, it's yeah. good. And is is the key to that really just uh, all the flattery? Because every oh, time absolutely. I talk to a tester, yeah. they just constantly tell me how great I am, what well, job and, I'm doing. And they, and they bring you donuts, oh, yeah, and sure. there's confetti, yeah, and let right. us not forget the balloons every Monday. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah it's it's definitely Monday. all about flattery. You know? Yeah. <laughs> it seems well, to be working quite well. Indeed. Um, as, as Brian was chatting about um, a couple episodes back, um, this is a company where you can walk in and you can talk to the CEO, um, which is pretty cool. Um, but it does take a little while to get used to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and much like you can go talk to Ken, um, you can, for the most part, with a little bit of advance notice, because not everybody likes to be interrupted, mm-hmm. uh, go talk to anybody, um, which has been nice. Um, there have been days that I have found what I thought was a bug or an issue, um, and I go talk to somebody, and indeed it is. Then I have days where I go talk to somebody, and they explain what's going on, and I realize, ah, it's not it, it's me. Mm. Um, perhaps something has changed, or there's been a design shift, um, or there's some other reason for what I'm seeing. Um, but it is nice. That, that open communication winds up saving a lot of work for everybody. Mm-hmm. Well, for my part, I, I have to say, it's I, I've never had testers, really, in my entire career. <laughs> and, well, you, were, uh, you worked solo for a long time, too. I did, and you know, I've had some jobs at companies, uh, sure. and always worked remote, but... They just never had testers. So having people actually test things seems like a miracle. Why didn't we, you know, why didn't I have that in my career all along? It certainly seems to be something that not a lot of people do. I know I was was reading another local company reading a series of blog posts they did on on why test is important to their company. Mm -hmm. Um, And between that and my experience here, I I realized just how incredibly lucky I am. I went to a test conference last year where most people were dealing with uh, web-based clients, uh, a, a lot of um, 
a lot of services, um, ranging from that to some people who are dealing with like very small microchip testing. Um, mm-hmm. And it became clear that the value that we had here at Omni was very different than the value that's typically placed on test. Yeah. So I, I definitely count myself lucky to be here. I, I think I found that testers are the people who know the products the best too. You know, certainly I'll, I'll go into work on a feature and uh, maybe I didn't even know that feature existed, <laughs> but uh, that's happened more than once. Certainly, yeah. Because I've been a user of, of uh, OmniFocus and OmniOutliner for years before coming to the company. But mm-hmm. I, I'm a fairly simplistic user, and there's all all of this stuff. And uh, yeah, the testers, you guys know every corner of it. it well, sometimes, like. yeah, certainly. Yeah. It's and, and fortunately, we, all, we can all collaborate together. So on a given team, um, a lot of times one of us will have more expertise in, in a certain area than the other one. Um, it's been interesting for me shifting from project to project over the last couple of years. Um, for instance, I've been using OmniFocus since uh, about 2009 just as a customer. Um, and then I worked on it for a while when I first moved into test. And then I was off it for about a year and moving back on. It's this combination of, all right, I've been looking at various iterations of this product for close to a decade at this point. But the last year, there's been a lot of work done. And so a lot of things have moved around. So I, I have days where I think, ah, yes, I know this very well. At the same time, I'm thinking, what the heck is going on here? Um, so it's been fun. It, it allows me to come in with um, both this knowledge set and a fresh set of eyes at the same time. Uh, unfortunately, the other two people on, on my product team have been very nice at, oh, yeah, well, we changed this six months ago, and here's what's going on in that area. Okay. Uh, and then I have the tools to go and explore that a little more thoroughly. Mm-hmm. Is it somewhat common for people to spend, uh, say, a year or two testing a single product and then, and then move or – is that maybe common for some of the testers and not for other ones? Or, uh, <laughs> I, I just wonder, hmm. do we have a general philosophy or things sure, just kind of yeah. happen the way they happen? I mean, generally, there's always an issue of what product is um, getting a lot of resources behind it at a given time. And so some That's testers true. will wind up moving from, from product to product. Mm-hmm. Um, some testers will stay in the same product for years on end. Um, it really just depends upon like what your knowledge base looks like, um, what a given product needs at any given time. Hmm. Uh, and then sometimes you have people coming in and out of the department as well, so people need to shuffle around. So I actually wound up moving to Omni Outliner because somebody had left the team. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I stayed there for a while. And, and once we're in a place where Omni Outliner 3 was in a good position, then I moved back to a different team. Mm-hmm. Omni Outliner 3, man, that's a good-looking app. Hey, it's Omni <laughs> Outliner 3 day. Hey, I know, some, I know somebody f- that worked on that. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> I might have helped a little. A little bit. It's uh, the first iOS work I've done in years. Um, but I helped make some indenty things a little bit more indenty. Well, nice. So yeah, I, I remember that. Pretty, pretty pleased. It's <laughs> <laughs> discussion. Indent more, indent less. Indent. Yeah. yeah. yeah, hmm. yeah. Um, it's a free trial. Go get it on the App Store. It's, uh, it's pretty cool. It syncs with the Mac version. And you need an outliner whether you know it or not. It's true. <laughs> uh, it is. So before you came to Omni, you mm-hmm. grew up in Portland. I did. Went to the University of Oregon. Uh, and so nerd things happened around there. You must have touched computers at some point as a young person. At, at some point, yeah. Uh, not so much there. Um, but I grew up with uh, using a Commodore 64. Uh, in middle mm. school, we had TRS-80s. Uh, Trash 80s. Trash 80s, indeed. Mm-hmm. Um, and, of course, the, the wonderful Apple II. Ah, yes. um, so I got uh, in. Uh-huh. We, had, we even had color. It was amazing. Oh I still remember playing Conan the Barbarian on mm. that. It was a delightful game. Um, so I spent quite a lot of time uh, using computers when I was a kid. I was very fortunate in that aspect. Um, I didn't wind up doing a, a whole lot of computer work in college, but I've always been an avid user uh, since I was a, a small child. Mm-hmm. Um, so 
uh, when I was in school, I actually, uh, is this the, how did you get into test question? Well, this or is, is that, or is that later? I think we're going to move on to bartending. Pretty oh, soon. Oh, yeah. oh, I see. Yeah. I see. Okay. Well, great. We'll yeah. move on then. All right. So yeah, he touched computers. <laughs> Indeed. I touched computers. And said, enough of that. I'm going to pour drinks for people. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Uh, so, I just, but I, you do have like some period of time right, where you've been bartending and running nightclubs. And yeah, well, like I, I spent. Uh, I decided I'd pick up a little side job while I was in college, mm-hmm. um, and that side job turned into a, a, a twenty-plus year career um, mm. bartending and running clubs. And that could be a pretty running restaurant side job. Actually. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. It was nice. I had a good time, um, and I, I was always using computers on the side as well, but uh, but not professionally. So mm-hmm. I might help friends. I'd help neighbors. Um, you were the unofficial tech support. I was, was always, yes, was I was. That I was that right? classic unofficial tech yeah, support. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Right. I, I have a T-shirt somewhere. It says in big block lettering, "No, I will not help you fix your computer." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or the the other classic variant, which is, "I'm here because you broke something." <laughs> yeah. Yep. So then one day, though, after running a yoga dance clubs and whatever. <laughs> You decided to come work at Omni. How, how did that happen? That's true. Well, there's an opening for a support person here. Okay. Uh, and I spent a lot of years talking down drunks, getting them safely out of bars and restaurants. Uh, and also, I had recently had a couple small children, so I had experience talking to toddlers. Um, and though I, I, f- I didn't have any experience in uh, tech support in software, I figured that between my ability to talk to uh, people who sometimes were um, <clears throat> demanding, mm-hmm. uh, people who... Were Those actively executive function skills aren't on, really <laughs> uh, there at the moment. Certainly. Uh, my children who are always learning mm-hmm. uh, and then um, my uh, years of just exploring software that perhaps uh, I'd be able to come and do this uh, with some training. Mm-hmm. So it's an easier job than talking drunks off the ledge. You know, it, it's it's very enjoyable. Um, there there was a day that uh, I, I took a phone call and, and somebody was in a bad situation um, mm-hmm. and we helped him out. It um, mm-hmm. took a little bit longer uh, than I'd re- originally anticipated, but we got everything back up and running for them. Uh, and I'd gotten off the phone and uh, I think I probably had let out a sigh, one of those, mm-hmm. ah, we did it moments. Yeah, um, yeah. And Brian, uh, a support manager, walked by and he said, don't worry, man, some, some days are kind of hard. Mm-hmm. I was like, well, I I think maybe we need a little perspective here. Nobody <laughs> challenged me to go outside and fight today. So I'm actually right. having a really good day. Yeah. He no, just laughed. Nobody he went, holding a bottle challenged <laughs> yeah, right. you outside. Right. Yeah. He's like, oh, right. I for, Okay, yes, yes. All right. right. Hmm. So, yeah, that's fair. It was a nice change. Yeah. Well, and the nice part was um, being able to pick up the phone and, and actually talk to our customers who really liked what we do and what we were doing and being able to help them was great. Yeah. I, I found whenever I'm you know, out at a conference or something and, you know, around other Mac users. And mm-hmm. I tell them I work at Omni. They tell me how much they love the company and our <laughs> software and everything. And That's awesome. Yeah. And all of those people are going to get Omni Outliner 3 today. Today? Well. You don't say. Yeah. Amazing. It's you know, everybody needs it. an outliner. I know. They may not realize it, but once you start using one, you're hooked. <laughs> it's you true. totally got to have an outliner. The prices of outliners have really come down over the years. Oh, yeah. Um, uh, living video techs used to sell um, Think Tank and more and some other ones. Sure. And they cost like 250 bucks. Sure. I mean, you can get Omni Outliner 3 Essentials for $10? bucks. Ten dollars Ten dollars Man. Compared to 250 bucks, and that's in 80s money? I mean, come on. <laughs> that's a heck of a deal. That's a hell of a deal. I'm selling it. You're doing an amazing <laughs> job. <laughs> oh, jeez. 
So a couple years, a couple years in support. Mm -hmm. um, and what's a support day like? If you can remember that far <laughs> back. So you, you, I, I, I've talked to Brian, but I haven't mm -hmm. talked to, um, and he's the support manager, but I haven't right. talked to anyone who's who's done support. Otherwise. Sure. Um, so you come in. Phone just ringing, or are you on the yeah? Web it kind of depends or? on the day. You have you have a little bit of time before the phone starts ringing. Okay, um, but your typical day in support, uh, at least when I was upstairs, uh, would be a mixture of answering email tickets, uh, answering phone calls, uh, helping people on Twitter, uh, and checking the forums to see if you could help anybody there. So it's kind of a mix of things. Um, mm -hmm. I always really enjoyed picking up the phone. Um, the the first few months I did it, it certainly filled me with a mild sense of panic every time because you never mm -hmm. knew what was going to happen. All right, um, yeah. But after a while, I, I really learned to enjoy that. You never knew what was going to happen. Right. So every time you picked up the phone, it was like, all right, is this going to be um, a philosophical uh, conversation about <laughs> how OmniFocus can help you manage your life? Uh -huh. uh, or is it going to be an issue involved with um, shape duplication and OmniGraffle? Or is right. it going to be a leveling issue in OmniPlan? Mm -hmm. You just never knew what was going to happen. So it was kind of fun. Which, yeah, which actually is, it shares a similarity with what I enjoy about my job now, which is I oh, okay. never quite know what every day is going to hold. Yeah. One thing about phone support... Um, you can't revise, right? If you're writing or that's typing, true. you can type a sentence and go, no, that's not quite right. Go right. back and fix it. You have to think on your feet. It's uh, it's all improv. It's exciting. Yeah. 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 Theater background came in handy. Yeah. It's true. It's a high wire act. That's that's a tough. I, I'm still amazed that Omni offers phone support. That is so rare in, in our community. I mean, I suppose Apple does. You know, Some of the large companies do. But sure. for companies our size, it seems to be... Um, Quite rare. When I talked to people and told them what I was doing at the time when I started here, they were always like, wait, but what? You do hmm. what? It's like, yeah. Hey, when we pick up the phone and we answer it. And like, you you just answer the phone. We're like, well, yes. Yeah, that's so how that you, works. So if you need help, please call the Omni Group. We'll help you. Yeah, right. It won't be Orion, but it'll be somebody just as nice. Amazingly nice. Yeah. Especially if you need help with Omni Outliner 3. <laughs> I hear that comes out today. Today? Today. <sighs> Sweet. Happy Valentine's Day, world. Thank you. So two years two years at support and mm -hmm. two years back at test. So you've been here four years. Mm -hmm. Just in my like four years. Just about six months longer than me. Okay. That's, that's pretty cool. I remember you starting. Yeah. I was the new guy. Before that, you were the new guy. It's true. That's all right. Cool. Now, the rest of my notes here are jumbled. It's pretty much the word blood repeated over and over. Ah, oh, blood. Ah. Oh, that probably needs context for our listeners. It probably does. Yeah, it's true. The first thing we should point out is that you're currently on hiatus from blood. Hmm, interesting. Well, I, I do have small children, so... <laughs> there is that. Occasionally, I'm, right. I'm not. Yeah, uh, before, uh, before I came here, I spent uh, several years doing classical theater. Okay. Um, and I got into stage combat and choreography, so I used to play with uh, fake blood and swords and knives and guns and fisticuffs. So is this more uh, Sophocles or more Shakespeare? More Shakespeare. More Shakespeare, yeah. okay. Uh, there apparently was something about my rigid demeanor that lent itself to classic theater. Mm, okay. I try not to think about what that says. Hmm. Your demeanor is very, very rigid. <laughs> Jeez. I, I once worked with a director that, that described me as uh, bombastic, but mm -hmm. with moments of truth. So I thought, all right, well, I'll <laughs> moments, take that. Moments, I'll take yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's something. So you studied at Hawaii. You've mm -hmm. also been to Tennessee. Yeah, I went Bellevue. to the University of Hawaii for theater, mm -hmm. um, and I wound up doing an academic exchange to University of Tennessee, Knoxville. Okay. I uh, spent a couple years there with a Shakespeare troupe. 
mm-hmm. uh, doing back-to-back plays and, and opening the aforementioned nightclub slash yoga studio slash art gallery, okay. which was uh, a number of adventures all rolled into one. Yeah. yeah. Uh, before I'd say it was come back to, time to come back to Seattle again. Mm-hmm. So what got you into uh, – what 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 got you into the fighting? Because that's the exciting part. That's... <laughs> well, first question: Do you ever sure. watch? So you're you're good with the the sword play, and I assume I don't even know. It's different kinds of swords, scimitars, and things. Sure. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you ever watch the lightsaber scenes in the Star Wars and think, Nah, they got it all wrong? These, these guys. No, the the choreographers that work on those are, are amazing. Are they, yeah, yeah, they're they're okay. incredible. And, and of course, uh, in cinema, one of the the prime examples is the Princess Bride fight. Okay. Right. Um, I have, vaguely uh, remember it. Uh, it's it's incredible. Uh, okay. They practice it for four months before they wound up shooting it. Is this the one with uh, Nico Montoya? Exactly. Yeah, okay, yes. Yeah. I have That's something crazy. to tell you. I am not left-handed. Oh, <laughs> neither am I. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. It's it's probably one of the finest scenes ever put on film. Mm-hmm. It's incredible. Um, no, it is pretty funny though that I'll wind up watching shows um, and uh, my wife will think. They're fighting a lot. Why are we watching this? Mm-hmm. And I will simply be sitting there in awe of the effects and uh, yeah. the skill. And yeah, it's, it's, it's a different approach to reality, but it's fun. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So all the blood is, is fake blood, we assume. I hope so. I hope so. Because yeah. you've seen an awful lot of it. I have and seen, you, yes. You would be a scarred man. <laughs> well, I am a scarred man, well, but, sure but that's not are. why. No. <laughs> so, but what, what got you, so, you know, you were into acting and, mm-hmm. and classical uh, classical theater, um, but what got you into the actual the, the sword play and all that kind of fun stuff? Um, I was taking a, a movement for the actor course at one point, um, and we had a, a gentleman come in and do just a couple two-hour sessions with us. Um, and he walked in with swords, which of course got my attention, as you might think it would. Yeah, swords. Yeah. Um, and we spent two hours one Friday working with him, and I thought, oh, this is kind of interesting. And he came back the next week, and we spent two more hours working mm-hmm. with him, and then he was all done, and he was going to leave. Uh, and he said, does anybody have any questions? I said, yes. How do I do more of this? <laughs> That's the right question. Um, and he said, well, there's, a, there's actually a workshop in Las Vegas uh, in two weeks. Okay. So I went home and I signed up. And I wound up spending three weeks in Las Vegas uh, playing with swords and rolling around on the ground in 117 degree heat mm-hmm. uh, and learned a lot uh, at the uh, Society of American Fight Directors uh, annual training. It was an oh, incredible okay. experience. So I took that, and that's actually what got me back into theater full-time for a number of years. Okay. Um, did you choreograph fight scenes as I did. well as acting yeah. them? Oh, okay. I did. Is there like a special visual language for choreographing fight scenes? or? Yeah, uh, there's – there's you, um, are, are, you're talking about like re, re, writing and recording, or how do you teach somebody a, a fight? Or? Yeah, I guess, well, so you want to choreograph a fight scene, mm-hmm. and you've got a vision in your head. Right. But it's like – it's a number of steps, a number of yeah. shots, a number of different things have to happen in order. I wonder, I mean, music has, you know, notes that you can sure. write down. Beats. Yeah. What, what do you do with, with fights? Yeah. So it's the same kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, the, when I would show up to choreograph something, uh, it's much like starting a day and test. Um, so I've, I have a general sense of what I'm going to do. I've walked through the fight in my head. Um, I know the people I'm going to be working with. I generally have a sense of what their skills are going to be. Okay. Um, and so I have a, an outline, um, outlines. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I bet you didn't use Omni Outliner 3 though, because it 
didn't come out until just today. Just today. Yeah. Sadly, no. Sadly, I didn't. Uh, so I'd have an outline in my head, and I would show up and start working with the the actors in question. Um, and then you wind up doing a little bit of a uh, little bit of tweaking here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, at one point, I had worked a fight with another person who was about uh, uh, my height as well, um, and we choreographed this long, complicated uh, small sword fight, and then we went to teach it to the two people that will be fighting in the show itself. Um, and for some reason, they're having a hard time hitting some of the marks that we wanted them to hit until we realized that they were both six inches shorter than we were. Ah. And yep. when, when they said they couldn't do something, they quite literally couldn't do it because their arms were not long enough. Uh-huh. So yeah. a valuable learning experience. Um, <laughs> after that, it, become, it became much less rigid in how I planned them out, um, which is when I moved much more to kind of a conceptual outline. Some basic things, some basic moves I wanted to make sure that I integrated into a fight and a story that I wanted to tell. Mm-hmm. Uh, because much like a, a musical... Um, the, the premise behind a musical is that people begin to sing because there is something they cannot simply, they cannot express in words. They mm-hmm. have to sing. Right. Uh, and same thing for fights, right? So if you're telling a story, the story should contribute to, the fight should contribute to telling that story. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I would have the story that I wanted to tell and I have some basic structure to it. And then I come in and I work with the actors to figure it out. Yeah. So a fight's a mini narrative within a larger narrative. Yeah. You should always be driving the story sense. forward. Yeah. Okay. So you got to throw people around. True. It's fake blood. It's true. How, how do you how do you die on stage? Is there a technique to that? I mean, you've been <laughs> some you've been pierced by the sword, I suppose. And, sure. and now and you know, how would you describe that to the layman? What what do you what do you do well, to do a convincing Oh, oh, God, he got me. Moment. Sure. I, well, I mean, if it's Shakespeare, you probably have a speech to deliver first. Yes. yes. So, so you can't you awesome. can't die too you quickly. Can't just go. No, no. A, yeah. a wound, a wound, and then you have to go on for five minutes uh-huh. of dialogue, um, and then eventually. You, it's amazing you how chatty die. people get. It's incredible. You know, yeah. you have a pierced lung, and yet somehow you can hold forth about the nature of reality. It's <laughs> right. Just and, and in the days before amplification too, and you're True. reaching the back, the top of the Globe Theater <laughs> with a pierced lung. Yeah. It's incredible. It's amazing what what modern medicine could do at that time. It's just incredible. Um, no, I actually, I rarely worked in a in a mic'd environment anyway, so I was always hmm. projecting okay. um, to the back row wherever I was. Um, I think it just depends upon the part. It depends upon upon what the death scene calls for. I mean, it mm-hmm. could be it could be a comedy, in which case, of course, you're going to die very differently than if you're telling a big dramatic story. Die funnily, I guess. Funnily, yes. yes. It's true. Right. Um, yeah, but always, just always trying to drive that story forward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's funny. You were, you were mentioning to the back row. Uh, I think we had chatted a little bit about uh, children and dogs. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was working down um, in Knoxville, um, the director I worked for at the time used to say that we did Shakespeare for, for children and dogs. And I thought, what? What? And then we were out on the square and we were doing shows and indeed you would have people who'd show up early and they'd bring their, their lunches or their picnics and they'd settle in and watch a show. But then you would see the, the periphery continue to grow because mm. it turns out that small children are entranced by loudly spoken Shakespeare and shiny mm. things and the only people more entranced are dogs. Dogs. So, so you get start, the dogs. It was, it was incredible. You, know, you start sword <laughs> fighting, the dog would come along, which of course would bring the child along, which yeah, would bring yeah. the rest of the family along. And before you knew it, dogs were learning Shakespeare. It's incredible. <laughs> what do you think is the favorite play of dogs? 
<laughs> I'm thinking Julius Caesar, but uh, you know, could be, could be. I, uh, I, I think that they like the uh, they like dramas more than comedies. Naturally, naturally. Yeah. Um, so I was doing a, a production of the Scottish Play, and we always got a lot of dogs. Mm-hmm. Uh, at the same time, as doing production of Twelfth Night, not nearly as many dogs. Uh, for some reason, the linguistic humor was lost on them. Listeners, you notice, of course, that I referred to the Scottish play because you can't say it by name. Not supposed to. No. No. Although we're not in a theater, so technically. Yeah. Yeah. We are sort of performing. Yeah, yeah okay. Fair play. Yeah. Fair play. Yeah, it's funny. It's, the Scottish it's, play. Well, it's one of the things I, uh, like many career choices I made in my life, I came to acting late. How um, many dogs named Spot show up to the Scottish play uh, when they well, hear the out-out? Damn spot I, I was going to say they all tend to leave at that point. Yeah. 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 Well, lady, lady M comes out and she does her speech and all the dogs that know what's good for him get out. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't sing much though. Not much. I've done some work with Seattle Opera over the years. I've been fortunate um, to do some work there, but it's always uh, it's always fisticuffs and blades and tussling about on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, my wife is a trained opera singer um, oh. and she is amazed by my singing ability. Of course, the thing that she's amazed by is my ability to convert anything into a minor key, mm-hmm. whether or not it should be. Right. Uh, and then if it's, if it's a minor piece, but it has a major section, I will also convert the major section into a minor key, mm-hmm. um, which makes Christmas carols uh, entertaining. Uh, and it certainly made lullabies for my kids growing up. Well, fortunately, they grew to love me anyway, uh-huh. in spite of the fact that my lullabies had kind of a grim feel to them. <laughs> You know, it might be that's also why they really like Nightmare Before Halloween. Ah, yeah, hmm. sure, yeah. Interesting. Because of daddy. It's because of daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so how do your kids like having uh, reformed actors as parents? Uh, well, you know, we have the, the recovering actor, we have the recovering opera singer, mm-hmm. uh, and then my, my wife is a recovering pastry chef. Oh, my. Um, yeah, so she points out that one day the children are going to realize that not all parents like to sing loudly, engage in silly voices, roll around on the floor, and make multiple-tier birthday cakes. <laughs> but for now, they're in this kind of happy reality where that's what parents do. Thanks, Orion. How can people find you on the web? Uh, on the web, uh, a micro.blog. Mm-hmm. Uh, Orion P O R I O N P. Okay. Uh, I'm also on Twitter at the same address, um, though I rarely post there, sure. except from micro.blog because it's amazing. Yeah, yeah, it is. I'd also like to thank our intrepid producer, Mark Bosco. Say hello, Mark. Hello, Mark. And especially, I want to thank you for listening. Thank you. Music. <laughs>